Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Speed. And you could go through life just simply knowing your only state. You see a person in the gutter today, you need not be in the gutter forever. Take him out of the gutter in your mind's eye. Here was a friend of mine, Freedom Barry, that I sent to San Francisco to teach this law. He hasn't had the experience of the promise, so he can't teach the promise. But he teaches the law. Before he opened, he saw a man crossing the street while he was airing his little dog. The man came over. First of all, he passed nice complimentary thoughts about the dog which freedom enjoyed and then he said uh, could you let me have a little money and freedom said I'm sorry but I do not have any money the man was very nice about it a gentleman evidently and he went his way and freedom before he made one step he remained right there on that sidewalk and saw that man gainfully employed he said to freedom he hadn't worked he was out of work. And Freedom saw him gainfully employed and felt the thrill of his employment. A month later, Freedom is out walking the little dog. And this man crosses the street, comes over to Freedom, and he said, I don't suppose you remember me. And Freedom said, oh, yes, I do. Very well. He said, well, I want to thank you for not giving me money one month ago when I asked you. Had you given it to me, I'd be asking you for money today. But I got so mad with myself to be placed in that position to ask a total stranger for money, I went home determined I am going to get a job. He didn't know what freedom had done, but freedom did that which pushed him out of that state of asking for money into a state of earning it. He went out the very next day after he met freedom and got himself a job that paid well. He said, I'm on the job that I got the day after I asked you for money. I'm still on it, and there is room for growth in that job, and I'm sticking with the job. So again, thank you for not giving me the money. If freedom had done what most people would do, would have walked away and said, no, I don't have any money for you, or I don't have money, without explaining why. But freedom did something about it. He put the man in an entirely different state. And having put him in a different state, the man got a job the very next day. So I say to anyone, you can try it. Don't pass the buck and help everyone in this world. You create states to deliver individuals evermore. These are states that you create, and you can drop them. But the other states of which I spoke earlier, the spiritual states of the soul are forever, and no one's going to change them. 
But to make myself clear, when you are in the final state of the apostle, it doesn't mean you are better than you yourself when you are in that multitude of confusion. For God was playing that as he's playing the state of the apostle. But God is above all states. And you are God. So you're not an apostle forever. You play that and that's the final part of the journey. And you come out redeemed when you hit that state. And you know that you are the apostle because you're sent. And the apostle is one who is sent. It's only then you know you've been chosen for a definite reason. And you're sent to tell what's going to happen to you. Well then, 30 years later, in my case, it happened to me that I could then speak with authority. I was not quoting anyone. I was not in any way speculating or theorizing. So when I tell you David is the Christ, I speak from authority, from experience, and therefore I speak with authority. When I tell you he is the only son, which is a resultant state of the journey you made through those eternal spiritual states, and when you hit the last one, you are born. Listen to these words. In the King James Version, and Moffat's Version, and others that I have at home, it's correctly translated. The Revised Standard Version, the New English Version, have added a word that confuses the entire thing. This is now the 8th chapter, the 11th verse of Romans. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, he will also raise Christ. Two entirely different ones. But if you say also raise Jesus Christ, you're going to confuse the entire thing. So that the King James Version leaves off the word Jesus when it comes to the second raising, which is Christ. And it happens just like that. Jesus comes first, it's the I am of man, that's the Father. He is awakened first. Five months later, then comes David. 139 days after the Father awakens within the sepulchre. Then comes an explosion, 139 days later, and then David stands before you. He is the resultant state. Now when you read the Bible in the future, and I hope you all will, Always bear in mind the characters mentioned there and depicted there are not individuals as you and I are. They are states of consciousness from Adam to the very end. These are all states of consciousness. So the names signify the state if you know the meaning of the name. But do not think when you use the word Abraham you're speaking of a man. As when I speak of, uh, of Bill. Bill is a man. He's an individual. It says God wearing that mask called Bill. But when I speak of Abraham, that's a state of consciousness. But when you meet these states of consciousness in vision, they are personified. And you see a man, but it is not man as you are man. All these are contained within the human imagination. So when you encounter Abraham, well, you're going to see a man. And you know he's Abraham. When you encounter David, you meet a youth, an eternal youth, but it's a resultant state. You are above all states. You are God. Every being in this world is God, and God is one. Hear, O Israel, 
the Lord our God the Lord is one and never get away from that that is fundamental the minute you have two gods you're going to get confusion two will become four and four eight and eight sixteen and you get confusion in the world only one God and that God is named forever and forever is I am that's the being so when you awaken within the sepulcher you know who awoke I you say I I am there's no one present just yourself and you come out without the help of anyone and then comes the imagery of scripture that surrounds you bearing witness to the truth of the story but you are cast from then on in the central road and so everything unfolds within the imagination of man and that is God so tonight as you leave here go out knowing you have the power and the right to become the man to become the woman that you want to be without hurting any person in this world you don't need to hurt anyone to gain anything in this world you go out and play your part fully and let no one pull any rank for all ranks are only states of consciousness the king and the one who is amusing him the court jester are both played by the same being and that being is unseen by the two masks the mask of the king and the mask of the court jester for behind the mask is God and God is simply I am so one plays the part of the court jester and one plays the part of the king and we honor the mask and bow before the king and that court jester may be nearer to apostleship do not judge from appearances as you are told when they saw this giant of a man stand before him <clears throat> Samuel thought well certainly he is the Lord's chosen for the Lord said to Samuel go down to the house of Jesse for I have chosen one of his sons to be king of Israel and when the first son came in he was a majestic creature and Samuel said to himself surely he is the Lord's choice and the Lord said I have rejected him the Lord sees not what man sees man sees the outward appearance but the Lord sees the heart then he brought the second and he brought the third and finally he brought the last which was David and David was tending the flocks now this is all a story but you must extract the meaning from that story so he brings the little one in he was just a youth and as he came in no one thought for one moment he would be the one and the boy spoke to the prophet Samuel rise and anoint him this is he and in the midst of his brothers Samuel anointed him with the holy oil and then the spirit of God came upon him mightily from that day forward never left him therefore he never lost the battle the victorious one called David so in the end he stands before you for he played all the battles you were the, key, you were the Lord of Lords within but you didn't know it and he is the father's only son and then he stands before you and he is your son and then and then only do you know you are God the father you gain all the assurance that you need when you see David for he is God's son and he is your son therefore you must be God and that's the story now this being our last night mostly go into the silence and give you ample time for questions if you have any
good. Harry, I didn't see this, and I could have used it an hour ago. I, I didn't see it. I would have. And regretted it, too. <clears throat> now, are there any questions, please? Yes, my dear. You carry with you your memory. Even though the body is now, well, those that I've seen, and I've seen so many, including my parents, the day that my mother died back in 1941. It was just about a month before Pearl Harbor. I was in New York City then. I just returned from Barbados where I spent three weeks with her. And it was the terminal case of cancer. So I came back, I was in, sitting in my living room. The mother comes before me. And she was a girl, beautiful blonde, as she was, as a young woman, blonde, blue eyes. And mother is before me, sitting under an arbor. She was passionately fond of flowers and a beautiful garden. She's under this arbor, brushing her hair. But she wouldn't talk to me. And then I sat and I wrote my sister a letter saying, I've just seen mother. And mother is a most beautiful young woman of 20 years of age. And I took that to mean that she had recovered. But that was the very moment that my mother departed the world. But when I got my sister's letter that came back to tell me, that was the hour allowing the difference in time between New York and Barbados. And that was exactly when mother closed her eye and that was it. But she instantly appeared to me in New York City, 2,000 miles away, not as the old, old person. She was only 61 when she died, but she looked much older because she was in such pain for the longest while. Mother must have looked, well you can't name it, it was so old. And she lost so much weight, she was a little tiny shrunken thing when mother was not given that way. But I saw her at 20, my brother Lawrence who died at 62 or 63, he was going on 63. When I saw Lawrence, he was about 21, 22. My father, same thing. Jack Butler, who was my secretary, when he dropped dead at the age of 50. When I met him eight months later, Jack was about 21, 22. So I can only tell you what I see. They all are restored. They aren't little babies. They're restored with intelligence and they know who they are. They know who you are. And many of them don't even know that they died. Totally unaware of it. The majority don't know it because they haven't died. Like Jack, when I said, well, Jack, you know, you died. I went to your funeral. So you're crazy. I am not, I die, but I'm not dead. I said, yes, you die, but you're not dead. Well, how, that doesn't make sense, does it? Well, you know, there are states of consciousness in which visionary men are accounted madmen. And so I've been accused of being mad, being insane, but I can't help it. I see these things and I tell you exactly what happened to me. But they are certain states in which all visionary men are accounted madmen. On 48th, 49th Street in New York City one day, I was opposite a window that had a nice display of my books and a big picture of me. 
and two women came by, three came by, one was the guy showing the other two friends of hers who came out of town and wanted to see the sights of New York City. And so I came up and uh, stood next to them, they didn't know me, and didn't look at me, but they were looking at the picture. And one woman said to the other two, you see that fellow? Naturally they're all looking at him, said, he's as mad as a hatter. But you should go and hear him. It's part of the thing to do when you come to New York City. Go and hear him. He's just as mad as they come. They call him the mad mystic of 48th Street. Well, she heard that. No one called me the mad mystic, but she must have heard it to tell these two. I'm called the mad mystic of 48th Street. 